Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. I want to bring to you the fourth installment in this reset series. Would you do me a favor and go with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18. Now, listen, today, what I would love for you to do, if you did not hear last week's message, would you please go back and listen to it? Here's the reason why I'd hate for you to listen to this message in a vacuum and think, well, Pastor Josh, that sounded a whole lot like self-help to me. Um, Last week, we talked a lot about what a godly vision is. And and, and this is really building on that sermon. So um, don't listen to this message alone. Do yourself a favor and make sure you catch last week because I'm going to build on last week's sermon. So we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 29 and we're going to read verse 18. I'm going to be bringing it to you in the King James version. I'll also read the NIV after that, but let's read it together. Just one verse. I had a lot of Bible that I'm going to read to you in the body of my message. So let's just read this one verse and then we'll get going. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The key right there, what we are hanging our message on is this, where there is no vision, the people perish. I want to talk to you on this thought um, that is a part two, if you will, to last week's sermon. It's a message that I am calling catch a vision catch a vision. Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, we thank you for the moments that we share. We thank you, God, for the opportunity that we've had to enter into a time of worship. We're so grateful, Father, because we felt you. Lord, we have felt your presence as we worship together. And now, God, I just pray that you would speak to us out of the power of your word. Father, we block away all other distractions and we shift our focus to you. Would you, Father, just speak to us now in this place and in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Catch a vision. So when I got to junior high school, um, I had to go get my eyes checked as you periodically do for your physicals and your checkups. And um, the doctor told my mom, it looks like your son is in need of glasses. And so in junior high school, I started wearing glasses. Nobody likes wearing glasses in junior high school. Come on now. I was that kid that never needed glasses. I got to junior high school and was like, you got to start wearing glasses. And I was like, ah, I don't want to be that kid wearing glasses, whatever. It was total vanity. But I had to start wearing glasses in junior high school. But when I got to high school, I made the switch over to contact lenses. My dad said, okay, I think you're old enough. You can handle it. So I made that switch to contact lenses. It made my life so much uh, easier because I was also involved in sports. I was involved in wrestling. You couldn't wrestle with glasses on. So you just got to have, you need those contact lenses. And so I got contact lenses. And since then I have been wearing contact lenses. You might occasionally catch me in glasses, but for the most part I do wear contact lenses. I need them because I am farsighted. Now, 
Um, if you've ever worn contact lenses, it takes you a little while to find the type of lenses that your eyes really like. And I've settled on this brand and type that I've been using for years. My optometrist tells me they're kind of old. There's newer technology. I don't want the newer tech. I'm rigid. Just get me my very comfortable AccuView night and day contact lenses. And the reason I love these contact lenses is because they are continuous wear lenses, meaning I don't need to take them out every night. I can wear them for a week and then I need to take them off, rest my eyes uh, for about a day, put them back on, wear them again for a full week. So it's less in and out, less in and out. I, it just makes my life so much easier. And uh, now the kind that I have, they are one month disposable, meaning I can wear them for an entire month before I got to toss them and put a fresh set of contact lenses in. But if you know me, I like to kind of stretch out those expiration dates. And so even though it says wear it for a month, I typically will try to get a week or two or a month, whatever, out of it. You know, I'll try to add something to it because I'm too cheap to just be buying these contact lenses um, as often as I should. I, I want to stretch it out. But, but here's what always happens with my contact lenses. Inevitably, it's like these contact lenses that I have, they have this weird uh, switch that they flip. They start off super comfortable. And then when they're done, it's like they will just dry out on me like that. And, and it always seems to happen when I'm out somewhere. We could be out um, with the family somewhere, out doing something, and then like my contact lens is like, I am done. You, you do wore me way longer than you were supposed to. And then it gets dry. And when that happens, it is the worst feeling in the world because not only does it obstruct my vision, but it starts to dry out my eye. I start rubbing it. And because I start rubbing it so much, my eyes start getting red. They start getting puffy. And here's the worst part. I start getting moody because because I can't see and now I'm just uncomfortable and it's the worst thing when your vision is impaired because when your vision is impaired long enough it starts to put you in a mood and I say all that because it's no different than when you don't have a vision for your life. You see, here's the deal. I've met a lot of young men who have gotten into their, about their late 20s, early 30s, and they have what I like to call a midlife, midlife crisis. It's not a midlife crisis because they're too young, but they get to their late 20s and they realize I've got to hit a reset on the vision for my life. And I've, count, I've counseled a lot of men through this because I personally walked through this journey myself. We, we hit this almost existential um, time in our life where we, we ask ourselves, am I where I want to be? And am I headed in the direction that I wanted to head in? And typically that frustration is because there's a lack of vision. Sometimes this happens in your marriage. There's frustration in your marriage because there's no vision for your marriage. You can be frustrated in your career because you had, you don't have a vision for your career. You could be frustrated with your family because you don't have a vision for your family. And you might be thinking, Pastor Josh, do I really need to have a vision for all those things? Well, if you want them to move forward, absolutely. Anything that you want to move forward in life requires you having a vision. And so last week we talked about having a godly vision, okay? Because it's important to differentiate that first and foremost, if you are going to have a vision as a Jesus follower, a person that wants to make a difference here in this world, you got to start off with having a 
godly vision. And we talked all about that last week. So, so what's your next step? So assuming you now have a godly vision on your life, what are my next steps? Well, let's start off by talking about a person by the name of Abram. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 15. Just earmark that for now. We're going to read some scriptures out of there. But in Genesis chapter 15, we catch up with Abram. In this passage of scripture that I'm about to read to you, God gives Abram a vision and we can learn from what God did to and through Abram as a result of first catching a vision. So Genesis chapter 15, verse one, it reads as follows. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. Okay. God comes to him in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now go with me to verse five. Okay. And it says, and he brought Abram forth abroad and said, look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. What he said was Abraham, can you see all those stars in the sky? Can you number them? That's a, that, that, that is, uh, he was being facetious because there's no way that he can number them. That was a rhetorical question. And then he says, that's the way your seed is going to be so much so that you can't number it. Verse six. And Abram believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now I point that out uh, because I got to get you there. I'm not going to read from it, but in chapter 12 of Genesis, God speaks to Abram and he tells him, if you read it, it says, and God said to Abram, Okay, and he tells him, I want you to leave your land, this land of your father, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And Abraham goes. And then in chapter 13 of Genesis, it reads, and God said to Abraham. And in that moment, God reaffirmed his covenant with Abram. Now, when you get to verse, now when you get to chapter 15, I want you to catch this now. God doesn't speak to Abram, but he gives him a vision. Okay. God doesn't speak to Abram, but he gives him a vision. I want you to catch the difference in chapter 12 and in chapter 13, God spoke to him. But in chapter 15, now God speaks to him directly through a vision. And that's an important distinction that you need to get. And there are times when God will speak to you, but there are times that God needs to needs for you to see what he sees. When, when God speaks to you, he might speak to you to tell you what your next step is. God might speak to you to answer a prayer. When God speaks to you, he's telling you where to go next. But what's different about a vision is this. When God gives you a vision, God is allowing you to see what he sees. I'm going to say that again. When God gives you a vision, he allows you to see what he is seeing. That's completely different than just being told what your next step is. Having a vision for your life is coming up out of the weeds, if you will. And now you're able to see the bigger picture. And when God spoke to Abram in a vision, it wasn't just telling him, here's your next step. Now he's saying, Abram, I desperately want you to see what I see. I want you to get a vision of what I see. So he elevates Abram to a place where he can now see what God sees. And that's so important. And that's so key because when God spoke to him and told him what his next steps were, when God gave him now this vision, he's able to see further than his next step. Did you catch that? 
when God spoke to him, he said, this is your next step. But when he gave him a vision, it's like, I'm not just going to give you your next step, but now I'm going to give you the direction you need to head in. You see, that's what a vision will do. When God spoke to him and just said, do this next, do this next, do this next, um, he was giving Abram limited information. And as Abram began to move with the voice of God, then God said, I can trust you with more than just your next step. Now I'm going to give you a vision. Now I'm going to allow you to see the bigger picture. And here's what a vision will do. A vision won't just give you information on your next step, but a vision is going to give you the direction that you are supposed to head in in your life. God's going to give you the direction that you are heading in. And that's so much different than just having what's my next step. Now God is saying, I'm showing you in the direction that I need for you to walk in. And that's exactly why you have to have a vision for your life because a vision gives you a direction. It's now pointing you in the way that you should go. When you know the direction that you should be going in, things will come into your life and you'll know if it's good for you or if it's not good for you, if it's in the direction that you are moving in. Did you catch that? If you'll know, you'll be able to discern if this is a God thing based on, is it in line with the direction? that God has for you. You see what a vision does, a, a vision that God gives you is God inviting you to collaborate into the process, the things that he is doing in your life, the plans that he has for you. We talked about this in week two and you were set. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And the minute you get a vision and when the minute God has put that vision deep on the inside of you, God is saying, I can trust you a little more now. Now that you've got a vision, there's a direction that you're headed in. And because because there's a direction that you're headed and you don't need to stop with me at every moment. You don't need to stop with me every single day and check. Is this okay? You'll know if it's okay because you've got a vision now. You've got a vision. So it's one thing to get my next step. It's an entirely different thing to understand what is the direction that I need to head in, in my life. And this is why vision is so important for you. You want to see the bigger picture and you want to have the direction that you're supposed to be headed in. And that's what's so incredible about catching a vision. That is why you've got to catch a vision so that you can now look and see the bigger picture and collaborate with God in the process of what he's doing in and through you. You want to be invited into this. You want to be invited into what God is doing. And you're able to do that. You are this, this collaborator, if you will, because you've got vision. You can see the direction and you know where you are headed. I want to share with you now a different story. And this is a story about a man named Peter. And Peter was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus called. And God spoke to Peter in a vision as well. The reason God spoke to Peter in a vision is because of this. So Jesus has already been crucified. He has resurrected from the dead. He has ascended back into heaven. He has poured out his Holy Spirit on all of his followers. And in Acts chapter 10... Here's what's going on. The, the, uh, initially, the 12 disciples were, um, and, and all those other early Jesus followers, they were taking the gospel message to just the Jews. They thought that only the Jews were supposed to receive the gospel message. They didn't take it to the Gentiles yet. They were just preaching the message to the Jews. 
and God had to get a hold of them. God was getting ready to change the direction of the church. And he did that by going to Peter in a vision. When God's changing directions, he comes in the form of a vision. He gives you vision because he wants you to change direction. So in the book of Acts chapter 10, we read that Peter um, has this vision from God. And, and, and I'm going to give you the short version of it. What God is saying to Peter is basically this is you think that the Gentiles are unclean and therefore they are not worthy to receive my gospel. But I'm telling you, Peter, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And in that moment, God, it, through a vision, tells Peter, I want you to start preaching my gospel to the Gentiles. Now, this was a vision that Peter had. I want to pick up on Acts chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 19 through 22, because here's what happened. Peter got the vision, and he's like, but is that really God? I mean, is that really, really God? And here's what happened, verse 19. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I I have sent them. I love that. I love how the Holy Spirit tells Peter, stop doubting. <laughs> it says doubting nothing because I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, he's a Gentile, but he is a just man and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear your words. So here's what's happening. Cornelius, who is a Gentile, wants to be included in this thing that God is doing. But the disciples won't preach to him because he's a Gentile. So that vision comes to Peter. And when that vision comes to Peter, all of a sudden he's revealing to him, this is the direction that I'm taking the church now, Peter. I know y'all want it to be only for the Jews, but I've come not just for the Jew, but I've also come for the Gentile. The crazy thing is Jesus had already said that. They just had a hard time reckoning that word. They had a very difficult time processing that word and applying that word. So Peter has this vision from God and God tells Peter, this is the direction that I'm going in. Peter dealt with some doubt and then God said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Three men are going to come looking for you, Peter. They're going to come looking for you. And when they showed up, Peter could not deny that God was doing an incredible thing. Fast forward, Peter goes, preaches at Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a Gentile. Peter, Cornelius not only uh, receives the message, but he and his household get baptized in Jesus' name. Not only do they get baptized, they begin to speak in other tongues tongues as they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's very much an Acts 2 experience. And that was God's way of affirming it. And in that moment, it took Peter catching a vision in order to change the trajectory of the church. And here's why that's important. And here's what I want you to write down. When you live out your vision, it will become a catalyst for others to live out their vision as well. When you begin to live out your vision, it will be a catalyst. You will become a catalyst to people around you to begin to live out their vision as well. The church was not acting like the church until Peter, the leader of the church, caught a vision. 
He caught a vision. This is why some of you parents, you better catch a vision for your family. If you don't catch a vision for your family, your family can't catch a vision for itself. Your kids aren't going to know what it's like to live on vision. Husbands, if you don't catch a vision for your marriage, you're not going to live a fruitful and you're not going to live the best marriage that you can possibly live out because you don't have a vision for it. Something incredible happens when you catch a vision and apply it to all these different areas of your life. Get a vision for your career. Get a vision for your education. Get a vision for your family. Get a vision for your personal goals. And it'll begin to catalyze other people and other things around you. And here's what I mean by that. I love hanging around people that have big visions. I learn from people who have a big vision and are chasing after their dreams and chasing after their goals. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of books. I try to consume content from men and women who are living out an incredible vision for their life. So by them living out the vision that God has given them for their life, it becomes a catalyst for me. It becomes an example for me. And now I can live out my vision for my life. The do's, the don'ts. How do I execute my vision? How do I make this happen? I want to get the practicality of having a vision for my life. And so you'll never know who you'll impact by catching a vision. So when you catch a vision, not only are you going to move yourself closer to the plans that God has for your life, because but you'll also become a catalyst to other people. So when Peter, catch this now, when Peter catches a vision for his life, something incredible is happening at the same time. At the same time, there's a man named Saul who's catching a vision for his life. And we've actually got to go backwards a chapter in order to understand where God was moving the church forward in the future. So let's talk about Paul's vision. So before Paul was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul and he was a Pharisee and he thought he was doing the Lord's will by gathering up all these Jesus followers, this new band of Jews that was springing up in Jerusalem and, and starting to spread this message. And he thought he was doing the Lord's will by gathering all these Jesus followers and, 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 and having them tried, um, some of them killed. And he really thought he was doing the Lord's work. And in Acts chapter nine, God blinds him when he's on his way to Damascus to go and rout up some more Christians. And he tells him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then shortly after that, he lets him know, I got a plan for you, Saul. And Saul becomes blind. God literally takes away his vision because that vision was so jacked up. He had to literally strip away his vision in order to put a new vision in him. That might be hitting home for someone right now that's watching. You're wondering why everything in your life has fallen apart. Perhaps some things have fallen apart in your life because God had to strip away that vision that you had for your life in order to get the vision that God has for your life. Amen. So Saul is now blind and led to a house. And meanwhile... While that's happening, there's a man named Ananias who's a Jesus follower, and God speaks to him in a vision. And he's saying, Ananias, I need you to go down to this house on this street, and I need you to pray for Saul. He is your brother, and I'm going to use him to accomplish an incredible thing for my kingdom. Let's actually read that together. Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 15. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, 
He's catching that there in a vision. Ananias, and he said, Behold, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. This is so funny. God speaks to Ananias in the vision. And he says, Ananias, Saul is having a vision about you. I love that. It's like vision on top of vision. Ananias is having a vision, and God's telling him, you know, there's someone else. He's having a vision too, and I need you to go and pray for him. Verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said, watch this now, go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Let's go one more verse. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. Think about this for a second. Acts 9, God is saying to Ananias about Paul, I'm going to make Paul my chosen vessel to the Gentiles. When did Peter catch a vision? Acts chapter 10. God was orchestrating something in chapter 9 that he hadn't even revealed to his leader of the church until chapter 10. This is something that I need you to note here. I need you to note here. This wasn't happening in the perfect sequence, but this was all happening according to God's plan. Just as Peter was catching a vision for the church, God was preparing a vessel that would be the person needed to carry out the vision that God was giving to Peter. Write this down. A vision for your life will always require other people and resources. Always. Always. As a matter of fact, that's what scares people from having a big vision. As a matter of fact, there are some people that have little, little bitty visions for their life because they don't want to depend on other people. But I've seen that whenever you've got a big vision to accomplish something great for the kingdom of God, you are going to need somebody and you are going to need some stuff. That's just the way it works. When we launched Lighthouse Church here in the North County, my wife and I said, let's go and let's just build a life-giving church here in the North County. We began to have interest meetings and 74 people said yes to being a part of our launch team. We needed people and we needed resources. By the help of God, we were able to raise $125,000 to start Lighthouse Church here in the North County. And we are so grateful for our sending church, Lighthouse Church, South County. And we are so grateful for all the churches that came alongside us and all the individuals and the business owners and those on our launch team that brought their resource. But listen, it took people and it took resources in order to accomplish God's vision for our life. Some of you have been putting your dreams on hold because you don't know where the resources are coming from. Some of you have put some of your dreams on hold because you don't know where the people are going to come from. Here's what you got to do to see those things come into your life. You have got to pray about those things, church. And I hope over these last 21 days, for those of you that were praying and fasting with us, you've prayed for those things because here's what I've learned to do. I don't ask people for money. I ask God to send people who are going to give the money. 
I'll, I say it to the church all the time. I'll never tell you what to give, but I will unapologetically tell you to have a conversation with God and whatever he leads you to give, that's what you should give because I trust God with the resources. I trust God with the people. I believe that this vision that he has given us to plant a life giving church here in the North County of San Diego is going to require some things, but God's got a plan. God's got a plan. While God was revealing his plan to Peter, he was already preparing Paul to accomplish that thing. And it was Paul who wrote in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All of these things come together. All of these resources tied together in order for you to see a vision for your life. Listen, church, I've walked you through Abram's vision. I've walked you through Paul's vision. I've walked you through Peter's vision. And none of that is even what I really wanted to talk to you about. You're probably thinking, oh, Lord, how long is Pastor Josh preaching today? Listen, this is going to go quick. I I say all that because I want to bring you to this point. Because what I want to do is I want to give you the how-to. It's really important for me not to inspire you, but to also give you some tangible tools. Let me give you some handles, things that you can go home and do because you're saying, okay, pastor, I want a vision. Where do I start? Let me help you. Okay. Let me help with that. So here's the first thing. And I want you to write this down. It's so important that you write this down because what my first thing I'm going to tell you to do is actually write it down. All right. I know that sounds weird, but that's what I want you to write down. Write down your vision. Write the vision down. Habakkuk 2.2 says this. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. God talking to the prophet Habakkuk said, I want you to write the vision down. I want you to write it down. Some of you got a vision for your life. You've been working on a vision for your life. You got goals. You got plans. You got things that you want to accomplish in your life, but you've not written it down. Dr. Gail Matthews in her research conducted, and she came to the conclusion that 42% of people who wrote down their goals accomplished it. They were more likely to accomplish their goals, 42% more likely to accomplish their goals if they write them down. This is why you always hear Pastor Josh in the sermon say, hey, would you write this down? And if you're not taking notes, just write this down anyway, because I know that if God is speaking to you, you are 42% more likely to act on what he is telling you to do if you write them down. It's an incredible thing, isn't it? There's something about the sensory of all. And I'm not talking about write it down on your phone. A lot of you like to ah, put these notes on my phone. No, 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 no. Get a pen. Get a paper. That's the biblical thing to do. No, I'm kidding. Okay, but but get some pen and get paper. And and, and there's something about the sensory um, that uh, those things that are involved in writing it down. But the first thing you got to do is you've got to write down your vision because you are 42% more likely to get it done if you write it down. And you know that same doctor found that you are 78% more likely to get it done if you don't just write it down, but you tell someone about it. You know, this is what I love about what we're doing tonight. All of the daughters, everyone watching online right now, all of the ladies of Lighthouse Church, I hope you come to the vision night that is happening tonight. You are going to be gathering, and my wife has prepared an incredible team for an incredible night, and you're going to create a vision board. What are you doing? You're writing the vision down. You're writing the vision down. And then, and then your likelihood of accomplishing your goals increases to 78% if you not just write them down, but if you tell someone about your goals. 
you tell someone about your goals. That's why we are doing connect groups in the month of February and why it is so important for you to join. You need to be surrounded by a faith community. Come on now. Some of you have been living in isolation during this quarantine and God's been depositing vision on the inside of you, but you've not written it down and you've not told anyone. But you are 78% more likely to accomplish that thing if you don't just write it down, but you tell someone about it. So what's the first step in catching a vision for your life? You have to write the thing down. Here's the second thing. When you're creating your vision for your life, and this is what I want you to get. I want to just get this deep into your spirit right now. When you are creating a vision for your life, believe that the best is yet to come. Believe that the best is yet to come. Oh, pastor, that sounds like a lot of church rhetoric. No, no, no. Here's, here's my point in it all. You have got to create a vision that is completely independent from your past. You have got to have, you have got to see your future completely untethered from the mistakes of your past or the realities of your present. Because what happens is many people swing too low. They don't aim high enough because their past gets in the way. They don't think they're able to accomplish those things for their life because they've not let go of those things that they've already gone through. But it was the Apostle Paul who said in the book of Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind me and present Pressing forward and then and leaning ahead to those things which are ahead of me. I press towards the prize of the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. In order to have a, if you want to have that vision in your life, forget a, a, a vision. When you put that ahead of you, it's got to be completely untethered to your past. Dream big. Aim high. Believe for the best. A vision requires you just thinking in the best scenario possible what could I accomplish if 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 I if if money wasn't an option and, and people were around to help me what could I possibly accomplish that's the thing you need to be writing down that right there that right there believing that the best is yet to come and here's the last thing that I want you to write down and I'm going to close with this I'm going to end it right here you need to declare and dream big dreams you need to declare and you need to dream big things. See, here's what happens. When, when, when you've got that vision for your life working now, it's got to challenge you. Some of you got a vision that can be accomplished. It's just easy. Like you can get it done on your own strength, on your own mind. You don't need God for that. But what you need to do is you need to have a vision so big. You need to have a vision that's so challenging. You need to have a vision. Your future should be so compelling that the choices that you make today, it is going to be shaped by what you want to see tomorrow. Your choices today will be shaped by what you want to see tomorrow. Too many people don't dream big enough. And because they don't dream big enough, their day looks no different than yesterday. But, but when you got that big vision ahead of you, you got that big dream ahead of you. It causes you to rethink your decisions today. I remember when I was 18 years old, 
Um, that was a long time ago before there was color televisions. No, I'm kidding. Uh, not that old. But uh, when I was 18 years old and I wanted to go to Bible college, I began to talk like someone who was going to go into the ministry. I, I so wanted to go into the ministry that what I did with my 18 year old self before I got to Bible college, all of the decisions that I made, the things, the energy and the effort that I put into my life all pointed me to that. It was directional. It, it, it got me there. So you don't just dream, but you declare big things. Your conversation should change. When you've got a vision for your life, your conversation should change. Hey, do you want to go here? Do you want to go and do that? You know what? I'm not able to do that. I'm getting ready to go to Bible college. And so I've got this stuff going on. I'm sacrificing. I'm saving my money because I've got this going on in my life. And, and, and everything that you say should be a reflection of where you're going tomorrow. If your vision doesn't shape, shape your cho choices today, you got to rethink your vision. You're not thinking big enough. You're not dreaming big enough. And that's the danger. That's the danger of not having that godly vision. That's why last week was so important. Because when you see God high and lifted up, you start to ask for things that are bigger than you. You begin to get his word on the inside of you that says greater things than this you shall do in my name. You start to get that word on the inside of you that says, and we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who first loved us. You get the word on the inside of you that gets you to believe that no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. Your language changes. Your countenance changes. Everything about you changes because you're headed in the direction of a vision. You've got a vision for your life and you're not going to wait till you're there to start talking like it's there. You start saying today what you expect to see tomorrow. And that's my challenge for you. What is God calling you to do in 2021? Have you thought about it yet? Have you wrote it down? I, I took a step. I, I, uh, I took a step and I, I got something called a full focus planner because I'm trying to make sure that I am chasing down the right priorities in my day and making sure that the right things are, um, have my time and attention. And the reason I did some of that is I'm under this constant pursuit of discipline to be better this year than I was last year. Why? It's got a big vision. I just believe in that God's going to do incredible things through Lighthouse Church, North County. I'm just believing that God's going to do incredible things through this church. I just believe that God's going to do incredible things through you. I, that you that are watching online, I just believe God's going to use you in an incredible way. And I realize that there are things that I have got to change in my life every year. I'm trying to take on a new discipline, trying to take on a new habit because I'm running in a direction. And I know that my choices today are going to ultimately affect tomorrow. And so my tomorrow has to be so mentally... I, it's got to be so ingrained in my mind. It's got to be something so daunting, so challenging that my choices today reflect a man that's headed in that direction. Are you headed in that direction? Do you have that vision ahead of you that's changing your choices today? It's changing your thoughts today. It's making you a better person today. If not, today's the day that you can ask God. You can say, God, give me a vision for my life. God, give me a vision for school. Give me a vision for my career. Give me a vision for my marriage. Different visions, different things that you want to see God do. And, I, and I'm really leaning in for those of you that are watching. Those of you, listen to me, Lighthouse. You call Lighthouse Church your home. That, that God would start to give you a vision for ministry. A lot of people come into church at Lighthouse and God's calling you to step out and God's calling you to step up and God wants to use you. God wants you to make a difference, but he's just looking for you to say yes. He's looking for you to go on that journey with him and he will use you to accomplish incredible things for his kingdom. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you, God, for all that you are doing 
in and through us. And God, as we've continued through this series reset, we've, we've hit this moment, Father. We want to have our vision reset. We want to reset our vision. I believe, God, that there are too many people that have not challenged themselves enough. There are too many people that have not stretched themselves enough. So, Father, I just pray right now in your name that we learn from Abram, we learn from Peter, we learn from Paul. But, Father, more importantly, that we would start to make applications in our life, that we would begin to live out the things that we know to do. So, Father, I pray right now that you pour vision over this home and over this house. Pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you give us a fresh vision, a vision of your future, a vision of what you want to do in and through us, and let it be something that's going to so change us and so mark us, Father. We are hungry for more. We're believing for more. We know, Father, that our best days are still ahead of us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.